Hey, what's going on, good people? Welcome back to another episode of Training Well Done, your podcast on the what, the why, and the how of quality training. And I'm here with our new head coach, Kyla Freeman. What's up, coach? Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going, it's going. It's a good Thursday morning. Um, you see, I'm at the gym and Coach Kyla's at home. Uh, she, she's stuck there for a while. <laughs> Yeah, no, I um, got knee surgery, um, but on the good, you know, side, it wasn't anything serious, even though it could have been. Um, and so I'm in my healing process, but I was just, you know, like I was just telling you, I've been in the house for six days straight and I'm like going start crazy and realizing that I don't really have that many hobbies that I can do sitting down. So that's like currently my status is trying to figure out what to do because I'm tired of TV and like looking at my phone all the time. So I'm just trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, I get stir crazy after like two days of being at home. <laughs> I can't imagine six. No, honestly, day two, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm trying to think about I know we had the whole shutdown, but like I wouldn't go running still. What's the longest stretch I've ever just been in the house without leaving? I really don't think it's I don't I don't remember the last time I've ever stayed in a certain place without going outside at least for more than two days yeah I mean I feel like the only time I would ever do that willingly is because either I'm like really lazy and want to have a lazy day for like a day or I'm like actually sick and I like Mm -hmm. can't leave yeah yeah I'm like really sick I won't but even then I'll still go for a walk if nobody's around Mm -hmm. so coach you are uh, our head coach now like what's up how does that how is that what does that mean (laughs) yeah yeah no so that's super exciting um so it basically means, yeah, I have more responsibility in a good way, more ownership over the training of our members and, you know, how our athletes are developing. And I feel like there's just like, like I said, a lot more ownership with it. So it's like, if it's, you know, good and I guess bad, right. It's like, oh, if they mess up, then it's definitely my fault this time. And I can't just like blame you. <laughs> but then, you know, on the other hand, it's like when they're successful, you feel that success, like a lot more personally in a way. Um, because you know that you contributed. So I'm really excited. I've already, you know, been doing a lot of the work that requires that is required of a head coach. So I'm just really excited to be like fully in the role and kind of, you know, I guess get the respect that comes with it. I like that. Get the respect that comes with it. Yeah, this has been um interesting even transition for me. Like I sent the members out an email. Like I don't even know what to call myself now. Like I was like, oh, general manager, but I'm like, that's boring. And like I still do a lot of stuff. And I was like, no, sexier name, the performance director. Yeah, <laughs> no, I've heard that in places. I like that. I've been thinking about this for actually years about what <laughs> having to decide on something. But it's really cool kind of seeing you get to this point. I was thinking earlier about during COVID, uh, right before COVID, first of all, when we met, when you first came here about the original apprenticeship, and then like when we met through Richard and was like doing different projects and stuff like that. So it's cool to just see where we are now from like, mm-hmm. uh, you popped in for like the interview. When I was like throwing the football with my nephew. I mean, it was planned. He was mm-hmm. not planned to be there. But yeah. The interview was planned. <laughs> yeah. But um, to like doing projects on Instagram and it's like, oh, wow, here we are. Like, you know, I've, I've always thought about what this kind of would be like. But like nothing ever happens the way you think of it happening. And even what I thought of it happening, I didn't really know what that would be. And it's like, oh, wow, like waited for this kind of day. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, from my end, it was like, 
I knew that after I got like laid off from my previous job that I wanted my next job to be in sports performance or like some type of training. And so that was my goal. And then I, for me, it literally like looks like I just got a job from a text message one day, like, Hey, you, you want to like you know, work here? And of course, like you said, we had like connections along the way. And then, Don, I mean, not Donald, um, Richard told me about, you know, I was like, yeah, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> I'm just going to try to like, you know, intern for him and stuff. And um, cause I, I really wanted to, but then I had already like committed to somebody else at the time. Um, so yeah, like it was just really weird. I always think about that, like, what are the odds in COVID that you get a new job that you actually end up sticking with? Yeah. I remember I was riding my bike. I had just got a bike. Shout out to Olga. I just, she let me borrow her bike. I still have it. I don't I think I'm still borrowing it, but like, that's neither here nor there. I was riding to Square Hill and I went to Matt, Matt's house. Uh, you still have not yet met Matt in person. And I was on his porch when I sent that message. I was talking to him. I think I told him about it. I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so here we are in one of those big projects and what we're going to talk about today on the show. And just to also let you know, guys know, we're going to try this format. When I look at my listens and look at what's the most engagement that training well done gets, it's when there's other people on the show. So we have other interviews scheduled. Um, our last episode with Jen Bigham, like got so many people, you know, watching it and listening to it. I mean, and that's also because Jen's insanely popular. So shout out to you. And also those two, uh, that new member who I sent that information about the other day um, that you asked about, like, who's this person that just kind of popped mm -hmm. up? That also came from Jen. Okay. And so, yeah, you know, we're going to try this format where me and Coach Kyle kind of talk about aspects of training. And today's topic is going to be about long-term athletic development. It was a, it's something that we and her have talked about you know, we've talked about this for months in one way or another. It's one thing I talk to families about, and it's something that we really uh, this year kind of brought into the fold of how we put things together for kids and even our new program, our athletic development program. Like, you know, tell me a little bit about like your initial thoughts when it comes to like what's long term athletic development? What does that mean for athletes? Yeah. So honestly, like I kind of want to like go talk through my thought process, even when I you first gave me this education piece to like think about long-term athletic development. I was like, man, like, what does that even mean? Because it's so broad. Um, but when I think, when I finally started like doing research and even just thinking about like my own athletic background, it's honestly the easiest way to say is to create a well-rounded athlete that can last throughout their whole like athletic career. So it's not just, you know, having, being really good when you're, you know, 12, but it's like going through these different changes, like kids are growing, their bodies are changing, they might weigh more, they're taller, like whatever it might be. Um, you know, they might be super athletic in the beginning, but they might become awkward with their body later or vice versa. But it's trying to create that well rounded athlete either over a period of time, or just like keep that well roundedness, like if they already kind of have it and like keep that throughout their whole athletic career. So they're not getting injured or having trouble because, you know, as an athlete, you're not the same every year, like every year you're changing, whether it's your mindset or your body or like how you perform, you know, and it can go honestly in either direction. Oh, yeah. It's interesting to see like how athletes start changing as they get older. And, you know, in, in track, I remember in the track circuits, you'll get kids who are like super fast when they're like eight, nine, 10, and they become teenagers. And it's not that they are not fast anymore. But 
the other kids who maybe were not so fast, like depending on how puberty's dices roll, completely can overtake them. And thinking about kids who are just these these natural athletes, or even kids who are not so naturally athletic, but there's the like absolute explosiveness and the, the innate coordination. But then there's this aspect of like learned skills that happens from just playing sports that you kind of start to get and not intentionally, you just, you know, you play soccer, you play basketball, you wrestle, you run track, you do gymnastics, and you start getting all these different other aspects of skill and building your athleticism to where, boom, you're like 14 years old and you did all these sports and now it's high school when it really matters what you're doing and you go out for the football team and people are like, oh, I didn't know you were that athletic. And this is somebody who did not play football, maybe their entire middle school or elementary school career. They didn't do any Little League. They did all these other sports and they show up on the football field and they're like, sweet. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, you're really nice. You didn't play any football, but they've been playing other sports. They have great coordination. They did gymnastics. They did Mm -hmm. track. They know how to run. They know how to run fast. You know, maybe they played basketball or these other sports, volleyball, and they know how to play in the air. And it's like, they understand space management. And uh, it's very interesting, like seeing those transitions. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I want to ask you, like, as you like grew up, do you think that playing these multiple sports, was that a thing of like our generation, like where it was more accepted to play multiple sports, multiple sports? Or do you think it's kind of like shifted into this, like one sport mentality more as like, you know, we're getting older and then the kids under us are like coming up. Do you think it's always kind of been a thing or do you think like when you were younger, it was more accepted to play more, more than one sport? When I was younger, first of all, I actually did not play a lot of sports when I was younger. Okay. Just the way that I grew up, me having the opportunity to play club sports didn't exist. Um, but I remember when I got into middle, oh, hey, I knew people at like when I was like fourth, fifth grade who played multiple sports, they played football, basketball. I heard of people doing track, but I didn't really know what that was at the time. And then in middle school, I started seeing like, I started playing full, uh, sports for the team. Like I did cross country, I wrestled and I ran track. And then I did football, wrestled and track. And I would notice that the all-stars on the team, they all were multiple sport athletes. I went to a school back in uh, my first half of middle school was called Montour High School. And there was, uh, there were a few dudes. There was one dude, Phil Peckett. I'll never, I don't know why I won't never forget him. He was a football star. <laughs> and he played, I'm pretty sure he did football, basketball, baseball. And it was like a rotation. Um, there were other players and other people I met who were like football, basketball, track people. And all the best players on the team played all these different sports. Um, when it came to track season, you know, some of the best runners also played multiple sports, although there were times where like the best runner was a one sport athlete, like they they were a runner only really, but that wasn't very common. And one thing that I've noticed as I got into like high school, and like I started understanding sports better just in the whole how do sports work in the sense of like, like not really the business of sports, but like organization and leagues and opportunities as I started to understand that and then got into college. I I still was around mostly people who played multiple sports, but once I became a professional, and I don't know if it was because I grew up as an adult and became a professional, I noticed Mm -hmm. this, or if this was really a trend, but in conversations I've had with other people and articles I've been reading, it seems that as the 2010s have gone along, this aspect of being a one sport athlete has been getting pushed more, especially in the big money sports of basketball and uh, football. 
And I think part of it is actually due to like literally the business of AAU. I don't want to like point a finger like AAU is bad, but like Mm -hmm. there's this business of travel sports and including soccer where part of these people's careers is keeping kids constantly playing. I don't know if that was very much of a thing. I'm not going to say it wasn't, but it didn't seem as prominent when I was a kid that I I didn't hear about kids playing AAU. I was around kids who who did sports and stuff like that, but I didn't hear about AAU and travel this and travel that really until I got in high school. And then as I became a professional coaching, I was flooded with hearing about it. And it was always new teams and hearing about people starting AAUs. And it was like a side business for a lot of people Mm -hmm. or like their main business. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because yeah, because I thought I was thinking, I feel like when I was younger, there were definitely people that like it was specifically like soccer was like the only sport that I remember where they really wanted you to like specialize early um but like specifically like I remember there are a lot of people that did like you know AAU travel teams and stuff for for soccer just so that they could get really good because competition in soccer was really hard and so there were a lot of like girls that were super good at it so if you wanted to like continue to play that in college then you know you had to like kind of start young and I remember being like 10 and I played soccer, but I, I, to me, I don't think I was that good. Like, I think I was just fast and because you're fast. You can do well in like a lot of sports and people want you. Um, but yeah. And so like, once I got to the age where people actually have like a lot of skill, like with their feet, I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm very good at this. But, um, my mom told me a few months ago that I guess when I was super young, somebody had came up to me and was like, or not camp to me, but camp to my mom, like, oh, she should sign up for like AAU soccer, or, like a travel team because, and just do that sport only because she's like, you know, she's really fast. She can get really good and stuff. And my mom looked at her like, no, like, why would I do that? <laughs> um, because at the time I was playing like multiple sports. Like I, I was doing softball. Um, I hadn't started track yet, but I was like doing dance. I was like trying all these different things when I was younger um and then like as I got older more into like middle high school I started narrowing down like what sports I like the most but I didn't become a one sport athlete until I was forced to when I got injured so Mm. it was like you know I know that um a lot of people like pushed it only because they didn't want people to get injured in their non-main sport and then like have to like sacrifice missing their main sports like season I know that was huge and then even at my high school the football coach was weird because he never wanted the football players running track, which is kind of like not smart. I really I'm hate like, hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, well, you need fast football players. Don't you like, it's not a high risk sport injury wise. So it's like, why can't they do both? It's not even during the same season, like ever, but like, Oh no, if we're practicing preseason, which doesn't really matter as much as you think, like, you know, that was like a huge thing, but I do notice, like you said, that people are becoming more specialized early because I think they think they need it to get scholarships and stuff. And it's like, honestly, if you, they want the multi-sport athletes, the really old, like the older coaches and the coaches that have been around for longer, they normally like the fact that you play multi-sports. There's been this big push in recruiting, especially in football. And I've seen it in basketball too, where they're like recruiting middle schoolers. Like they have rankings now, like this is a five-star eighth grade recruit. Like, bro, he, he, he's still in high school. Like, he's not even in high school yet. I mean, like he still might grow or like a lot can happen between now and then. Why are you ranking middle schoolers? Like they're not even 
like thinking about being an adult yet. They don't even have it. probably don't even know what college is unless their parents went and their parents might not even talk about it yet because they're in middle school and mm-hmm. it's like, why are they getting ranked? And this is happening. It puts pressure on and it's like, oh, I want my kid to be the national champion. And they're like 11. And it's like, it doesn't matter yet. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, yeah, a lot of these all-star players who play at the professional ranks, they've been multiple sport athletes. You know, a lot of them, you know, basketball, football, track is very common, gymnastics. A lot of basketball players play volleyball. And one thing that I found as a big issue is some of the most injured kids that I've coached have been one sport athletes. The kids from, you know, kids that we see here at the gym to kids that I coach on my club and high school track teams, especially my high school track teams. Those kids, uh, maybe they're kind of dual sport athletes because they are doing track, but like they do another sport all year round and they kind of do track more so. It's the kids that kind of do track then play another sport all year round. Usually it's basketball. Um, Those are the people I see getting hurt the most. The runners who only run and don't really play many other sports. It doesn't have to be like super competitive on a team, but like, you know, some of our kids will leave names out. They play basketball for fun. And they play all the time and they don't hardly ever get hurt. And one of them plays basketball competitively and trains and runs all year round, never gets hurt. Whereas there's other kids who don't do anything other than run who seem to always have something going on. And I've seen this for years. Yeah, no, for the same for me. And I mean, it's it's that like when we get into right, like long term development, it's that that repetitive pattern of movement. Like when you're playing one sport, it's the same movements over and over and over again. So, you know, you see a lot, especially for running, you see a lot of, you know, like plantar fasciitis and, you know, tendonitis in your knee and, you know, hip issues, things like that, because you're literally doing the same pattern. And that's like why we developed the athletic development program here is because, you know, a lot of our runners don't ever move like laterally. They never stop and start. They don't know how to move their bodies in a way that like you can move in basketball or football or soccer or whatever other sport. And I've noticed even like, I would say soccer players end up being the best to like track runners because they're fast, like, and then they have a lot of endurance. I wouldn't say every soccer player, but most of the time, so they end up being like super good, like 400 meter 200 meter runners and sometimes 800 meter runners, um, depending on their style. But it's because like, like you said, I feel like even me, like my initial injury, like I had like minor ones, like little calf strains and like bruises on the knee, you know, like just like little bang ups. But like my biggest injury was not necessarily because like, you know, I was doing anything wrong. It was like one fluke accident where I wasn't controlling my body. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I never really got injured until that point. But it's like, you know, like I said, I had the little bang ups along the way, but like those repetitive movements, like when I was playing basketball, cause I did play basketball for a while, um, like all year around at one point, like I was getting like knee issues. And so it's like, but then like, I stopped just doing basketball and I was like doing track too. And then I like those knee issues went away. And then I feel like most of my injuries came like when I just started doing one sport, like yeah. after that, I was like, oh man, like, I feel like I'm just breaking down. So it's just really interesting to think about all the things that go into like how like a kid develops and just to even like comment on your, you know, they're middle school, they're going to be a star. It's like, you have no idea what their body's going to do. Like next year, they could become so awkward because they grow like eight inches in like two years. 
you know, they could end up being slower or they could end up being, you know, a lot better, but it's like, even going into the development piece, it's like, you don't want them to have all that pressure so early. Like it should still be fun. Like you're mm-hmm. in middle school, like have fun. You know, you can care less a little bit about fun, right? Like when you get to these very, very high levels, but even then, like, you know, NFL players talk about how they still need to have fun and enjoy the sport. Yeah. You know, I've meet people, you know, as when I was in college. <clears throat> now, everybody, you know, wherever your top is, that's where your top is. That's what you want to talk about. But I remember Karen Katz, actually in high school, who talked about their little league accomplishments. And they didn't play football in high school. And they were like, yeah, bro, when I played for Garfield, I was this and that. Or I played for Homewater Gateway, I was this and that. And they're not, not playing high school football. <laughs> and then they swear they're better than the people that play high school football, but they're not playing. And it's like, no one cares what you did when you were nine. <laughs> Like, I don't care and stop bragging about it. And, you know, it's like this level of it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. I'm wrong. It matters. And, you know, share with it. I'm not saying what you do at eight, and nine doesn't matter. But when you're at that high of a level, the money doesn't come into play. The college offers and the, the real big notoriety doesn't come to play until you're like 16 years old. When like, oh, the schools can start talking to you because I feel like socially now this is a social thing. Once colleges start talking to you, that's when it's like, oh, you're the real deal. Once money's on the table, oh, you're the real deal. And the thing about this whole middle school thing is there is a kid who doesn't start in middle school. Who's good at basketball, good at volleyball, who's going to grow over the next few years and they could be the star that outshines whatever kid was the beast at eighth grade that that girl who was you know just dominating volleyball in eighth grade she might start slacking because she's that good and there was some girls she might have been picking on or like kind of like ah you're not even good who then becomes five nine in 10th grade and like takes over the whole team (laughs) and yeah you know these things happen so Looking at yeah, you know, no, they do this whole long-term athletic development. What are some key things for you know parents, coaches, athletes who are listening to to look at cultivating? Like, what are these athletic skills that we gain by playing a lot of sports? I like to look at it as in the more sports you play, the more your movement library goes up. And once you decide on a certain sport, you can subconsciously kind of call on these different skills to help guide you i know one thing playing ultimate frisbee i've never been a good basketball player i've never played volleyball with any regularity and there's a certain level of going for jump balls like jumping for the disc that i'm not great at i'm good at it if it reminds me of hurdling like i can run and stride and jump very well but i'm not good at bodying and getting in position and although i'm short i have one bodying situations but it's very hard for me to do that tactically not so much in the physical part but like tactically understanding when should i start to body and timing that versus being at a full sprint and just jumping and catching it because i'm used to jumping at full speed so what are these different skills and athletic pieces that we you know that athletes need to be able to get together that we've gotten together over the years from just playing sports yeah um, I think honestly, the main ones, right, are like the basic strength, right? It's it may not be from necessarily strength training, especially when you're at like a younger age where you can't really like lift anything or you shouldn't be lifting anything. Um, it's definitely like coordination. So, 
you know, when you're doing a running drill or a new drill and that you know, little bounce that people have, some people, you know, do drills, the same arm, same leg, that type of thing, right? Like the development of coordination doesn't always, you know, I come naturally, I've yet to see a kid that's super young that hasn't watched runners run and look like a real runner. They like arms, you know, all crazy. They don't know what they're doing. Right. So like, yeah, all that face all tight. (laughs) Exactly. So um, there's that. And then there's the balance aspect. Um, You know, I feel like a lot of people don't have like basic balance and they don't realize that until they get older. And that's why a lot of ankle and knee injuries um, happen because the lack of stability, um, in their, in their joints, but also like the fact that they can't bat, they can't be pushed and like have balance and stability in that leg. And then I'll better write that down. Yeah. And then the last things um, that I think about that kind of like go together in a way, what I would say is like stability, mobility, um, and then flexibility, the abilities. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, just like making sure that your body moves well, it can get into these very awkward positions where they don't cause injury. Um, and that like, you know, you do have the strength to like lift that muscle at the same time. So it's like, you know, we, we've been doing these hurdle mobility drills and, you know, being able to lift your hip up around and over the hurdle is like an actual skill because people have very weak, like hip flexors. Um, and so, and it's also a lack of flexibility. Like if you can't get your leg up and you're turning to the side to try to get your leg up and over the hurdle, right? That's the thing that you have to work on too. So, you know, these things develop over time, but like you said, you know, I don't know if you can ever like recall a moment where you did something, you're like, whoa, like, how did I even do that? Because it's like, it just kind of like was your natural reaction to like do something like that. And then you're like, you know, if you really sat down and thought about it, it was like, oh, I've done a similar movement like this in something else, whether it was like playing around with your friends or, you know, actually doing like a legitimate sport that was like in your archive of movements. And so, you know, that's, those are the things that I feel like are like really important. One thing that I look at when it comes to like that mobility and coordination, I think coordination is like a major, major piece of athleticism because you could be fast and jump high, but if you're not coordinated, it doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if you're a hundred meter runner, but you know, there's one thing that I grew to be more athletic as I got older, partially just due to my spatial awareness, which is another key aspect of athleticism that I think we should add to that is spatial awareness. And I look at spatial awareness in two dimensions. One of them I'm good at, the other one I'm not. Close quarters spatial awareness, if you think about wrestling, or even to some extent, maybe basketball, but more like wrestling type, gymnastics type where like it's understanding your body in space. I'm good at it in the context of wrestling, of understanding my body in context of somebody else in close quarters. But like in gymnastics, uh, I don't really, I never did gymnastics, but like flipping and jumping, I have also a kind of an understanding of where my body is. I just get very nervous doing backflips on trampolines because I didn't do that when I was young and reckless as a kid. So trying Mm -hmm. to learn that at almost 30 is kind of, uh, but there's that close kind of where your body is in space to relative to like the square feet around you. And then there's like, I call it like open field kind of spatial awareness of like field sports and understanding, you know, being able to quickly calculate 
time, uh, speed and angles of where you are and where you need to be relative to where your opponent is. Think about like a running back playing football or even somebody on the basketball court trying to navigate space to get open for the ball, which is something that like I realized some people are really good at. Think about even wide receivers or people are really good at being able to get open and understanding those tight spaces versus someone like me who kind of struggles with that. He like knowing if I'm open or not, like when I'm playing flag football, I might actually be open, but I don't think I'm open. Or like, I think I'm open and well, if I think I'm open, I'm usually open. But if I don't think I'm open, sometimes I am, but I don't expect it. And, you know, thinking about like when you see people in basketball, they make these no look passes and things like that. So there's that like, that's one big piece of athleticism I want to add there. One thing that I grew to be better at was that as I got older through Ultimate Frisbee, but also this ability to like rotate and like actually make an action rotating while you're going. So I always think about Odell Beckham's crazy catch in the end zone uh, that people saw where he like runs and he opens and he leans back and opens up and he catches the ball all the way back here while he's falling and tucks it in. And at the time, I was just getting really into understanding the rotational aspect of training. And that's something I could not have done at 17, 18, 19 at all in the slightest. And playing ultimate frisbee and like doing a lot of rotational training at the time was very big into it at the place that I was working at. I actually found when I was playing, I had the rotational control and coordination to like make catches like that. Not with the football, though, but with the frisbee and like being able to like dive in these crazy ways to grab a frisbee in a way that like my 16 year old self that was younger was like, bro, I couldn't do that, but I could do it <laughs> at like 24. And, you know, some of that is actually through training and learning those movements and like putting my body in position to do that. And I've like wowed myself a few times, you know, in my more prime years of playing of like, oh, I didn't know I could really do that. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I feel like you talk about how much like more athletic you've got into your adult years so much. And I feel like I mean, I don't know if it's like the opposite for me or like just because like I had this whole knee, knee issue like the whole time, but I feel like it's like, man, I feel like I'm getting like less athletic, the more that, you know, I get into my adult years, even though it's not true. Um, But like, how do you think your, you know, your view being a coach and like knowing these aspects, like when you train, like how often do you apply these to your like own training, like this long-term development piece? So whenever I'm in good flow of training, it goes into like my workout. So I'm very big into doing a lot of rotational work because that was something I know profoundly helped change my ability to play well. The other aspect also, it is in um, the bounce, having a bounce. So I talk to kids all the time about having bounce when they run. And when I got better as a runner, again, in like my early mid twenties, as I got better, a lot of it came to understanding the tenseness of, you know, the Achilles tendon, being able to bounce and rebound, understanding, being able to quickly strike the ground, bounce. So I, I'll do a lot of plyometrics that are related to that. I love doing a lot of plyos for myself. It helps me feel very light getting off the ground. Yesterday at uh, the athletic development session, I was, we were doing tuck jumps and I was telling them that part of being able to tell your explosiveness and athleticism is improving is through even tuck jumps and how heavy are you hitting the ground and how long you have to be on the ground versus can you just boom, get up and off the ground while you're doing those. And so adding a lot of those things in uh, is very big for me and that athleticism. Also being able to understand that 
when it comes to endurance, having a very big engine. So like I've been doing a lot of long distance running lately, but understanding that, all right, sprinting wise, I don't need too, too much volume because I don't sprint that, that much to where like the, the effective dose is pretty small for me to improve in my sprinting just because I'm not always doing it, but, you know, being able to stay sharp with the technique of that. So I'll add like, I'll actually add those into like even a lifting session. I'll like do different sprinting drills as a part of my lifting session um, while I'm kind of going through that flow and being able to just really focus on having a lot of control and intent with my movement. So I'm not just squatting the squat. I'm not lunging the lunge. I'm not throwing a med ball rotationally just for the sake of throwing the med ball, but a lot of intent about how am I developing force through my squat? How am I developing force through this rotation? If I'm doing like a stability exercise, we uh today i had uh jack and jasmine did these plank the band plank rows mm-hmm. um and so when we're doing those like and you're not plank position you only have three limbs down because you're doing the row your hips want to open up so like focusing on really being able to stabilize and control where my hips are so these are things that i think about while i'm training to really maintain body control because that's really a big thing for me an intent of the movement yeah and that's huge because, um, you know, a lot of us, we just work out, just work out and we know like what's going to be hard. And, you know, one thing I think, you know, I like even talked to my dad about this because he used to be, a, you know, I mean, he's a coach now, but like also used to be a trainer is like, you know, it's easy to be a coach that just makes things really hard. Like you can just put a bunch of super hard exercises together and make things really hard for people like that's honestly super easy. Some of that barely knows how to train people could just be like, yeah, do a hundred burpees and then go do like a million push-ups and then do this squats. And you're going to be tired. Like anybody would, but to have like, like you said, the intent and thought behind that movement um, is really important. And I know that we put a lot of thought into our programming for, you know, our athletes and we've just started, you know, notifying them of what we're doing. Um, So, yeah, I think like that's a very, big aspect I think even us as like adults like competing and running or whatever we might be doing need to think about as well like we we have to be even a little bit more intentional because our bodies are not as limber and you know easy flowing as they used to be always yeah and I think um it's been important to while on one hand you know we talk about to the kids and to the adults here's what we're doing and why we're doing it but also now really sending them those updates way ahead of time of like, hey, this is what we're about to do. And here are the things to focus on ahead of time. And, you know, some people are more mindful than others, but it's like, all right, I'm going into the gym with this intent of understanding these eccentrics, understanding these rotational, this single leg work. And I think that us staying active, and this is a very big thing that, you know, I talked to all of you, you guys about, you know, you are, you were playing flag football, but now you're, you're hurt, obviously, but like Benny and Adam go play, you know, ultimate Frisbee as well. And it's like staying active and actually training for something, you know, Benny's very big into his training in general. Adam plays at the highest level of ultimate Frisbee and it's a high, very high level of ultimate Frisbee. And it's like, Hey, you know, there's this understanding of putting in the work, understanding how to get better and self-evaluating because as a coach, you understand these concepts and, you know, as somebody who's also an athlete, you're trying to get better. So there's the self-evaluation of what am I lacking right now? And what is it to get there? And then when you're assessing athletes, it's like, what are you lacking? And where do we need to get to, you know, move the needle forward? And that's something you don't have to necessarily be active to be mindful of, but it does help with kind of having 10 toes on the ground of understanding that 
training process alongside, you know, the people that you're coaching. Yeah, no, I definitely feel like that's, that's super important as coaches is to know, like, cause I mean, you knew this stuff. I mean, you didn't know this stuff when you were training as an athlete. And so just to be more mindful as a coach and like self-evaluate, it's honestly sometimes harder, but it does like make you better because you're feeling the movements that, you know, you're giving to other people and how like the adaptations can happen. So for, for listeners, as we kind of close out here, I want you to think about either yourself or your child or athletes that you are, you know, in leadership of and looking at how can you, you know, support their overall athletic development. You know, we talked about a few things in regards to sometimes just playing basketball only all year. Those kids tend to be the most banged up. I was just on a call with, um, you know, Jasper actually was like, all right, you need to take a mental break from playing ultimate right now. We've been training hard, you know, you get naggy, go like cycle or something, you know, go lift, (laughs) do that. But like, go ride a bike or I don't know, go do something random. Right. And get your body and mind unwind from the sport. But, you know, being able to take time to not have these repetitive use injuries, doing the same movement patterns too much especially for a young growing body is not good for it. You know, even when it comes to your strength training, you know, there's different ways you can even mix up parts of that resistance training. And then it's not like an every week thing, but like in the month, you know, month to month seasonal cycles of changing things just so that it's not always the same exact way of repeating it, playing multiple sports and building up that movement library so that an athlete can just be more robust Some of the most athletic people you know play multiple sports. Now, sometimes it could be a chicken or the egg thing. Do they play multiple sports because they're that athletic or are they really that athletic because they play multiple sports? I don't know. You tell us, leave us a comment, send us a message. You tell us what you think about that. But, you know, being able to intentionally also train coordination, balance, flexibility, mobility, stability, strength, being able to work on their rotational ability, their ability to hold their own, These are different things for you to think about and how are you improving the athletes around you or yourself as an athlete so that you can get the most out of yourself. Because if you only have a couple tricks in the bag, you're going to get figured out pretty quickly if you're playing in a competitive scenario. Yeah, no, definitely. And I have to like add in there. It's like, we can't forget like, you know, me throwing in the mental piece, we can't forget that, you know, they have to like what they're doing. Um, you know, every aspect of training does not have to be super enjoyable. I mean, we all know that practice can be hard and it's not super fun, but at the end of the day, it's like their why as to why they're playing the sport or why they enjoy certain things, you know, it can't be diminished because that leads to a lot of, especially women, because it seems to be a common thing amongst women more than men, like they quit their sports at like 12, you know, they're like, you know what, I'm sick of this, you know, I have too much pressure on myself. And like, all these people expect all this stuff of me. And if especially if they're good, right, like, or you get older, and you're not as good as you used to be. And like, they expect you to be the same athlete every year, you know, just reminding yourself, like, as a parent, as a coach, um, you know, guardian, whatever, it might be that you have to keep encouraging them. And, you know, if they don't want to do it anymore, like I'm not saying you let them quit in the middle of the season, but it's like maybe they can find some under, other interests in like different sports or different things um, because you never just, you never want to take that aspect out of, you know, being an athlete. And that's something that I think is really important for long-term development as well. Yeah. Being, you know, nine ten with a lot of pressure easily makes the sport not as fun as it was. And, 
there's a certain level of enjoyment that goes into making it easier to train hard. And, you know, something that I really want people to be mindful of and, and being able to keep things fresh and fun and also realize, hey, look, there's a lot more, you know, in, in playing multiple sports and being able to keep it light and make sure that, you know, the, one of the biggest parts of long-term athletic development and even like development as far as staying healthy and fit for a lifetime is enjoying being healthy and fit and like the actual training process of that. And while, yeah, if you're, if you play, if you're trying to get a division one football scholarship and you're like not a super, super talented person that just walks on the field and looks and moves D1, but somebody who has the potential to do that, but has to train for it, that training's tough. And, it, you know, it's not easy, but there's a certain level of enjoyment you have because the sport is fun to you. So that grind and process means a lot. And that's something that comes with maturity as we get older. And just also realizing that, you know, for the long-term end of it, being able to enjoy and take advantage of the opportunities it brings means a lot more. And you're going to have ups and downs. There's going to be seasons that you just don't play as good. Not everybody just follows this consistent trend line up of getting better over the years. And I think people miss that. You look at Olympians, people who are going back and Allison Felix, you know, one of the most the high, most high profile Olympian, right, uh, of the time, she ran at the Olympics her fastest time in like several years in the 400. I don't, I don't remember if it was her fastest. It wasn't her fastest post-shout time. It was like her fastest, like second or third fastest time in several years at like 30 something. You know, there are people who are making rebounds at the Olympics, 29, 30, 31, who haven't put those kind of times down since they were 21. Technically, that means they got worse as they got older, then they get boom, they got better. Or they just had ups and downs. And these are people at the highest level. You know, not even the odds of listening to this, the odds of you being at the highest level are low just because the odds of being at the highest level are low. Mm -hmm. You are not going to always trend up all the time. This mm -hmm. is all, just everything in life is wakes. There's ups and downs to your, your emotional temperament. There's ups and downs in your career. There's ups and downs in your relationships. And there's going to be ups and downs in your sports. And so just being able to understand that and make sure that the ups and downs, of course, trend towards the upward way, but understanding that this is not a linear process and, you know, enjoying it and being able to do that makes it long-term and you can be 40, 50, 60 years old, still enjoying that sport that you love that seven. Yeah, no, very well said. I could not say it better. <laughs> so good people. Thanks for listening. Uh, give us some feedback about how you liked our kind of conversational style. It's a little different than we've done. It's usually either me talking or me interviewing. So we want to have a little bit more conversation. We want to try to do this again. So please make sure you like, subscribe, and share training well done with you know your teammates, athletes you coach, parents, you know, whomever you think could get value from this. Um, you know, leave us a review, please send an email. Um, and also this podcast is sponsored by Global Human Performance. Uh, that's where we work at. And you know, so please check out the website, www.ghperformance.com. Um, uh, you know, check it out. You know, there's no ads on the show. I hate when I listen to podcasts and there's like ads and like the ads go for like five minutes, and it's like, bro, this is annoying. Yeah. <laughs> But um, all right, good people. Ciao. We'll see you again.